Welcome to this episode of The Versatile Writer. This week, I'm talking about my apprenticeship. The dictionary defines apprenticeship as a person who is learning a trade from a skilled employer, having agreed to work for a fixed period at low wages. But at the very essence of this is a person learning a trade from others. For the purposes of this podcast, by apprenticeship, I mean the years I put into learning my craft and how to write a story, how to create characters, plots, understanding and using literary techniques and devices, what they are, remembering what I learned from my school days about similes and metaphors, and generally gathering together everything that creates an entertaining read. Also the tips I got from other authors, readers, and the facilitators of workshops and courses I have attended over the years. Let's go back a few years for the sake of context and background. I've been enjoying writing since I was around 15 or 16, but at that time I had no idea I could craft a career out of it because I was told somewhere along the line that only those who were well-educated or those who were very clever could become authors. And I say that in a slightly condescending tone because that's how I recall it being said. You've got to be very clever, Sarah. I knew back then that that was not me. I wasn't bright, nor well-educated, and so it was clear someone like me would have to find another way to make a living. There was also the idea that if somehow I was that person, I would have to single myself out, stick my head above the parapet, and highlight myself as an author. And that really wasn't me, certainly not back then. You may have noticed in my podcasts that I talk a lot about my teen years as me being a bit thick and that I could never be smart or bright or even achieve great things. I never say this stuff to have you think, oh, poor her. Hardly. I'm just relaying how I feel, how I felt, and generally I'm being honest. This feeling about my intelligence is possibly down to several people saying as much to me years ago and also my inner critic echoing that over the years, telling me I wasn't smart and me utterly believing it. Also, if you tell yourself you're not smart and then someone else is cruel enough to say it, if you've told yourself already, it won't hurt as much when the other person says it. In my classes at secondary school, being smart highlighted you to the bullies and to the teachers. Teachers expected great things of you, which also sets you up to fail. And bullies just need a reason. Sometimes they don't even need that. But I didn't need to worry about any of that smartness, because I wasn't. Back then, there was no way I could carry off the confidence of being a smart person. Nor was I. Back then. It's something I've learned recently, that I actually do have a brain. It's only since I've experienced some life, raised a family and educated myself on my terms that I've managed to see that my brain is actually worth something. It was a strange one, to be honest, because some students from that school did really well and went on to college and university right after leaving that school. And the ones from my year, well, didn't. You could probably count the driven students on one hand, Looking back, that's such a shame. I wasn't one of those driven ones. In fact, I was very much one of the ones who didn't really have a clue what school was all about. If I wasn't being picked on by the bullies, I was being overlooked by the teachers. In the years that I was in secondary school, in the UK, there were some teacher strikes. For the students, at least the classes I was in, it meant that you were queuing up outside the classroom, awaiting the teacher to come. If the teacher was one of those on strike, which we wouldn't know beforehand, Nobody would come to unlock the classroom. Therefore, we went without a lesson. It was that simple. 
Occasionally a head teacher might walk past this unruly line of teenagers and tell us to be quiet or wait until the bell went for the next class. But I do recall one time where the lesson was a double, an hour and ten minutes. The teacher didn't show up, so we leaned against the wall, sighed a lot. Some of us sat on the ground and waited. Some of them literally just walked off school premises, not never to return for the rest of the day. I remember there was a feeling of, well, if the teacher can't be bothered to show up, neither will I. I suspect and hope that school teachers are a lot different now. Then everything changed for me once I left school. It was as if I could finally breathe. In my mind, where school failed me, life didn't. Over the next few years, I spent time at evening classes, learning languages. I took a correspondence course in English and another in creative writing. I've been a late developer, and as I said many times with my podcast, I'm fine with that. I'm not in a race to be the best of anything with anyone. I'm just me, doing my best at being me. Also, if I'm honest with myself and truthful with you, Retaining any knowledge long enough to pass any exam is a trial for me. I've never been great under exam conditions. The pressure's just too much sometimes. As it turned out, when I earned my university degree later in life, I was approaching the menopause and one of the symptoms I had was the inability to retain information. Oh good, because I needed another challenge. This brain fog is not great anyway, but having it when you're trying to revise for exams or trying to retain a sentence you just read to translate that into an essay is one of the worst things I've ever tried to do. However, one thing about my school that stands out as being good was my English teacher. She was also my drama teacher, and often the two subjects were entwined. I do wonder if she actually saw something in me way back then that only came out of me in my 20s or my 30s. In the days before the internet, I gave frequent visits to the library. We didn't have social media yet, and chat rooms were a long way in the distance too. Fortunately, I've always had access to a library, no matter where I've lived. I've always known the library was the place to learn, read, and be entertained by stories, so it was, for me, the obvious choice. It was also free. Over several months, I picked up different books on how to write, looked at specific novels by authors I knew of, and if there was a local book festival on, I would always do my best to try and attend it. I recall the first one I went to. It was the very first Essex book festival. I heard that Martina Cole was attending. I hadn't read her work before, and I wasn't familiar with her style, but I knew that she was a local author. I attended, I saw her from a distance, and stayed close to the edge of the crowd around her. I sat in on a talk or two that had gone on that day and made loads of notes. Over the coming years, I heard about creative writing workshops via flyers on cafe community boards or library walls and heard on the radio about some of them too. One of the authors on the radio was Jojo Moyes, another Essex author. I don't recall how it came about, but I managed to get onto her workshop. By now, I'd learned quite a bit about crafting stories and had been a member of two different writing groups, one that I founded myself. I enjoyed her workshop and again made loads of notes. Over time, I managed to attend more workshops, courses and festivals. I exchanged details with several authors, well-known and unknown. And when I began writing my own books, it made sense to talk to the radio stations about them. Around the time I published my first novel, self-publishing was beginning to be known. However, it wasn't known in the more positive light that it is now. It was quite a fight to be taken seriously. 
Rather than it be viewed as authors taking control of their own careers, it was seen as authors who couldn't convince an agent of their work. This went on for years, and it's still seen that way now sometimes, but back then it was even tougher to be taken seriously, even though more authors were taking this option. From 2005 until 2019, I had independently published three novels, two ghost-written books for private clients, two anthologies for charities, and three non-fiction how-to style books. My next novel, my 11th, will be out soon and will be the first one since graduating from university with a BA Honours in English Literature and Creative Writing. It's still hard to believe I actually have a degree, especially with the early education I had. That said, it's good to know that if you have a need, a want, to learn something that's important to you or something that means a lot to you, somewhere inside you, you can make that happen. I consider that my early education, the later self-teaching and the learning-as-you-go kind of education to be my best way of gaining that knowledge. Sometimes children aren't made for regular schooling as it just doesn't work for them. I know many people now who choose to homeschool their children and it's worked really well for them and that's got nothing to do with the COVID-19 situation either. Power to them too. So that's what I consider to be my writing apprenticeship from the ground up to present day. So now you know my writing apprenticeship. Tell me about yours. I'm on Twitter at SJBWrites or you can email me sarah at loveofbooks.co.uk. I'd love to hear all about it. Until next time, thank you for listening to me, Sarah Bannon, with Versatile Writer, on the subject of my writing apprenticeship.